What's up, buddy? Welcome to the AJ Bucon Podcast. This is episode 29. I haven't named it yet, but I have this feeling that my guests and I are going to figure out a name, a perfect name for this episode by the end of the episode, which has something to do with the topic, but not really anything to do with the topic, but more about what the topic's about in case you need to figure out what life is all about through the discussion of this topic. Whew, I hope that makes some sense because that's just how I'm feeling right now, just trying to make some sense in everything. So anyhow, I have a very special guest today. I know that I know that people out there think that we have a beef. We don't. We don't. You know, it's just, you know, it, it, it's Jake Nixon from the Juicebox podcast. I really don't even need to introduce him because when you hear his voice, you'll know who he is. But Jake, how's it going? AJ, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week, especially... Because it's something that I just told you when you got down here. It's like, I don't have a lot of people to talk to about this topic that we're about to dive into. So when you reached out to me, I was very, very excited. Because I've said this a million times, but you fascinate me because our brains, as much as we get along, are just polar opposite. I would agree. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's why it's always fun when you come on the juice box. It's always fun when we just bullshit in general because there's a there's a lot of things where I appreciate talking to you because it opens up my mind to be like dang I didn't ever think of things that way and I hope I do that for you too in some things well absolutely and I, I think this is a perfect topic um, <laughs> to kind of get us started here so let me give you some background just my perspective and why I talked to Jake about it <sighs> this is about the HBO show, I think it's the second highest rated show uh, after Game of Thrones. And I it's, would agree. It's Euphoria. And Jake, I'm just going to be up front with you before you even get to start talking about this. I was told two years ago to watch the first season. I was like, uh, I don't know. And it, I heard it was about like teenagers and sex and drugs. And look, I'm a teacher. I don't want to watch this. I'm going to be uncomfortable watching this. So I never watched it. And then the second season came out and says, oh, my gosh, everyone's just loving it. So, uh, so I started watching it, you know. Um, I don't know if you had the same similar experience with that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. a very, for, it's a very difficult show to explain to somebody that isn't normally watching shows that revolve around younger folks and that kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I first started watching it, it, it's it's hard because it's such a different show mm-hmm. and there's really not even like there's nothing really goes down to where it's just crazy like explosions or you know any kind of like anything to kind of suck you in when you mm-hmm. explain it to somebody hey you know this is a show about a group of high schoolers that have all these problems mm-hmm. going on in America at first you're kind of like well Okay, that's just normal life. But then, right. then you start watching mm-hmm. it. The star-studded cast, right? Um, Angus Cloud, who's Fezco. This mm-hmm. is his first show he's ever done. Like right. it's mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's a fascinating show mm-hmm. for me because they it's it's like they brought in all these young people and they give you a look at every kind of, I guess, social group that would exist in today's right. mm-hmm. society. I agree. I I think to me. Yeah, I don't have any problem watching, I want to be clear, I don't have any problem watching a show that's about young people. That doesn't bother me at all. I just think when I first started watching it, um, 
I'm not a prude by any means, but it is, um, I think there's a lot of sexuality in it that is, and it's just, to me, there's a lot of nudity and I don't want to say like nudity is bad by any means, but I'm I know saying what like, you mean. it's just so in your face. And to me, initially it's, it's really gratuitous. And, and I don't... What's that word mean? That's a great question. Gratuitous means you're just... I felt they were just doing it for the sake of doing it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's put these people up on here. It's sexually charged. The plot, the story's not going to be enough, so let's make sure that they're naked or they're having sex and we're watching. And I felt like I was watching, like, softcore porn, you know? I, I, I don't watch it. I know that... You and your boys, you know, you watch that all the time before your show. We're definitely cranking yeah, but, sticks before uh, the show. Well, we're not going to define cranking sticks, <laughs> but oh boy, you know my students are probably going to be listening to this. Just so we're clear on it, so I can, handle, I, I can handle. I can handle it. As I'll soon right. as I said that, I was like, oh, I, I probably should. It's all right. I am not going to delete that or anything. But yeah, and I was like, the first time I was like, oh, I don't know, and I st- I literally stopped watching after the second episode, and then I said, you know, there's something kept drawing me back to it. Um, cause there, I think there's a story there and the, and all the nudity and the sexually charged stuff was just, it was too much and I didn't want to get into it. Um, and keep watching it. So I, I, you know, I went back and, um, here we are. I haven't regretted it. So let me ask, I have a couple questions I want to ask, kind of like get us going here. Yeah. When you see like, like to me, anything that's on HBO or you see in the movie theaters, you know, you go by the title, but you also also go by the images. Okay. Okay. But the, like the advertisements. So like Euphoria, do you do you know what like the title it like the title card for it is? Do like, you remember what it looks like? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me what's your impression of it, or maybe describe it for us. If yeah. You don't mind. So basically, mm-hmm. um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. What I can remember, mm-hmm. it's basically a just a very dull but mm-hmm. colorful yes. background mm-hmm. with the word euphoria in that mm-hmm. cool font that's like it's got like lines through okay. it you know and for me i know what euphoria means right um and what do you think it means i feel like for me at okay. least euphoria is something that and this is my definition i don't know that's if it's fine. correct but euphoria is something that brings ultimate happiness right mm-hmm. is how i look at it right. it's like when, like, for example, when I'm at the beach watching waves, that's my euphoria. Yes, gotcha. so absolutely, I agree. I'm. I, it's it's actually funny you mm-hmm. asked me that because I was gonna say, which is perfect. One of the things that sucked me into euphoria was the visuals. Yes, how absolutely. they how they use mm-hmm. colors, how they shoot absolutely. scenes, the film. So basically, in a nutshell, mm-hmm. I would say the title screen is always just some kind of colorful image mm-hmm. with the word euphoria just splatted right in the middle. Right. So like. When you see it, you see like it's a drug. It's a show about drug use. Hundred like, percent. And yeah, and to me, that's that's what I thought it was. And but then I, I as I started watching it, I started asking myself, what the hell is this show about? Yeah, you know. And we were actually having that conversation last week, and I just wasn't sure. And like I was just kind of doing like, okay, before I go and talk to Jake today about, it, I want to jot down what I think it could be about, but I'm probably wrong. Uh, definitely drugs. Could 100%. be about drug use, um, sexuality. Absolutely teenagers in lives of teenagers dads yes <laughs> yes and then uh loss yes and i think it's like all is wrapped up in there and i think people got caught up in euphoria and i think it's gotten a bad rap because people say it's just about it's like promoting drug use and it's not i don't think it is i don't think it's glamorizing it at, at all i think it's just it's really a sad show about drug use yeah i mm-hmm. i look at it i look at it like this and it, 
we kind of touched on mm-hmm. it a little bit. I'm happy we're deep diving mm-hmm. into this long form conversation about it because I have seen the argument that mm-hmm. the show promotes drug use. Mm-hmm. And when I when I just sit back and I kind of open up my mind and listen to all these opinions, I could see how people have that opinion of the mm-hmm. show. What I told you is I think this is to my recollection mm-hmm. for what I watch, this is the first time that there's been a show that involves younger kids and drug use that shows the negative aspects of it. Right. Normally when normally when I think of drug movies and drug shows, mm-hmm. there's the aspect of like yeah, people go to jail, yeah, people get in trouble, but they make they make doing drugs look fun. Right. And yeah. and in this show okay. I, I think right now with the opioid crisis and everything like mm-hmm. that, it's kind of a trigger warning for some people, but they don't realize that I think beneficially for this mm-hmm. show is it's showing like, hey, this is what happens when you mm-hmm. go down a road of drugs right. and it might be more emphasized. But in mm-hmm. reality, it's like it's not all fun and games what it seems to be. Right. You can ruin lives, but the biggest the and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because I, I've I've had a rough past myself and all of this stuff mm-hmm. and it it this show hits home with me and I'm not afraid to admit it you know I I've done some things I probably shouldn't have done but okay. I enjoyed this show because it shows people not how it ruins your life but the people around you what it okay. does to affect those people fair enough yeah I I agree I I I'm going to slightly disagree a little bit about it being all about drugs because I think this is just my impression I, I just want to get this on the table yeah. and then we'll move on Zendaya in this, I, I the second season. I mean, the first season's great yes. with her in it, but the second season, I'm like, I was spellbound with her performance. It, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a performance like that on television. Agreed. Would you agree? I was uh, just like, 100%. it's worse. It's like, as you said, it doesn't glamorize it, but she just, you know, you know, or Zendaya plays Rue, and she's um. She's a recovering addict, and she's had a lot of issues we'll kind of talk about here in a minute. But um, she has a major downfall beginning of the second season. and it's Everyone knows that's going to happen because that's kind of where the story goes. But, gosh, the way that she – I just – I was at – I've never been a lost – I just watched I was so spellbound by her performance. And it's just – yeah, it was so realistic and just so – I don't know. I – you take it from there because well, I was it, like, I can't even explain it. It, it mm-hmm. Again, it hits home for me because I've seen those people. Mm-hmm. I know those people. Mm-hmm. I've been around those people. Well, I could have mm-hmm. been one of those people. Like, right. I, I think it's episode um, six or five or six where mm-hmm. she she initially is like going everywhere because she needs to get her fix. Yes. And I've seen that before. Mm-hmm. I, I, I right. know, I know what that's like. And like those couple episodes generally hit home with mm-hmm. me because it's, you don't normally see the effects mm-hmm. of how, what it does to everybody else. Right. You're stuck in this mindset where like you genuinely think that you're getting away with what you're doing in terms of doing those types of activities right. and you don't realize what it does to your parents, your right. friends, your coworkers, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And that's why for me, the show is so needed in mm-hmm. today's society right. because we need to see what it looks like as a community, as a country, as a world, mm-hmm. how it affects the people around you, not just yourself. Right. And I agree with you. I think that that show, 
episode you're talking about where she's running around trying to get her fix. And I think it's like, to me, it was all like a metaphor for her looking for euphoria, but she didn't know she was looking in the wrong places. Amen. And that's what this whole thing was about. Um, I, one of the things I, I jumped on, I, I did a, some notes and a little bit of research on this. No, I, I, I like it. No, so like, I um, enjoy it. One of the themes that was running through, and you went, when I said like, yeah, it's about drugs, sexuality, teenage, then I said dad, you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I started saying, that was one of the things, I was like, man, and I, we've talked before about cancel culture yeah. and stuff, and I, I'm real hesitant about blaming like, men for every single thing that's going on. And I don't think it does that. But one of the things I was noticing, like, I'm just going to go through some of the characters, tell yeah. me if you can kind of see what you thought. So, like, what do you know about Rue's father? Because that was, like, to me, it's a show about loss, but it's also about, not necessarily from drugs, but missing that father figure, uh, like a traditional father figure in life. And I don't know if that's what their goal was, but it, it sure hit me. Kind of hard. So mm-hmm. for for me, when it comes to that, um, it's kind of a kind of a different situation where like mm-hmm. I've lost a best friend, not mm-hmm. so much a dad. Right. So like mm-hmm. I can relate to that, and it's it it in a nutshell, it's like there's two ways you can turn when something drastic like that happens in right. your life. Mm-hmm. You can either one learn how to flip the perspective into making things positive, because mm-hmm. I always say this. Life's hard enough. Right. The last thing we want to do is make it harder on ourselves. Right. Because you can control the controllables, but you can't worry about the uncontrollables. Right. Or you will stress yourself out. So I, I think for the loss of her father, and to just kind of bring it back to me, the mm-hmm. loss of a friend, it's it's there's two ways you can handle mm-hmm. it, and she handled it, unfortunately, in the way that a lot of people do. Right. I agree. And it's like and it, I think her father, her father died from cancer, and cancer, I think yep. she started getting into the drugs because she started taking his drugs while yes. he was there, and she was supposed to be watching him. And it, it was the wrong thing to do. And you're watching this, and you're like, "But you get it," and you say, "I get it." And so it's like they're all using whatever it is that they have, whether it's drugs or sexuality, to make up for something that's lost in their lives. Um, like I look at Lexi and. Uh, Cassie's father and um you know he was always that traditional father who wanted to do things for his daughter wanted her to be an ice skater and everything but you know the mother was involved in alcohol and that it just he could never really provide for them then he had that accident and correct me if I'm wrong Mm -hmm. what he was a drunk himself though correct I think the mother was more of a drunk initially and he was trying the way I remember it um, she was more of the alcoholic and he was trying to control her and it was like he was spending money constantly. So that's the way I took it is that okay. he was trying to create this image of a perfect family. Okay. And the way I took it was he was trying to do it. He was part of the parties and everything. They were all drinking and everything. But um, ultimately, I think he ended up having like getting in a car accident or something yeah. and then he went on painkillers and he ended up leaving and he's somewhere. Okay, you you yeah. definitely you definitely might be right, mm-hmm. but I will tell you the way mm-hmm. that I I saw it. Mm-hmm. I I kind of looked at it as mom's a partier, right. d- dad at one point likes to party. Right. They were that younger couple that would yes. party together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You hook up at the end of the night, you end up having these kids right. and it's one of those situations where both of them are trying to provide for their children, but right. they're ultimately dealing with the same mm-hmm. problems. Right. 
You know, I think he was more, and I agree with you totally. I think he was more um, concerned about doing the right thing, and that's what drove him to like drinking more. Because I don't think he, I think he realized he couldn't do this by himself. And I'm actually mm-hmm. happy you're taking mm-hmm. this angle because I will be completely honest right mm-hmm. here. I never even. I never even thought of the father aspect to all mm-hmm. these kids. Right. Truly. Like, I'm, I'm sitting mm-hmm. here listening to what you're explaining yeah. and what path mm-hmm. we're going down, and my mind's opening up because I'm like, okay, so this is now also a show about what can happen with quote-unquote bad parenting yes. also. Right. Okay, that's like, cool. It, it's, just the, it's just a theme. Because initially I thought it was about, I didn't think it would, that Levinson was making it about white male bashing or male bashing i didn't initially initially i did but then i changed my mind about it you look at jules in there and um the father's actually the better parent because the mother took her to to a psychiatric hospital when she was a chit so like that was all her thing and it was like so the father was being the better parent there maddie i wasn't entirely sure about maddie i started like looking back and thinking about it all I remember is there was an episode like she was a uh, um, one of those those pageants that they had, yeah. And like, and the mother was there, but I didn't get a sense of the father. All I got was like the father and mother. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I think I, they divorced. I can't really right. remember much of Maddie's family. Right. The truthfully. Only, right. Because I don't think they get into it enough. And that was that's one of the knocks on the show. It's like yeah. you have all these characters, and how can you really do all the characters justice if? We're just focusing on a few key, hundred percent, and so that's kind of the problem. Like, I, from what I remember, I know they're divorced because she went over to Lexi and Cassie's house, and that's where because her parents were fighting all the time. Yep. Um, Nate clearly, daddy issues with Cal, and you know, an abuser, and there's this whole, you know, his father. I mean, clearly didn't want to didn't want to get married. Discovered no. he was gay and didn't want to have any kids. Didn't have either. any kids and was kind of put into that. And it just had that effect on Nate. And then there's this whole, I think the whole thing is like, did he sexually molest Nate? I don't know. They kind of address that a little bit. I, I, I think they do mm-hmm. justice, though, and yeah. they wrap mm-hmm. that up at the end yeah. where I don't think that actually happened. That's right. just a thought as a kid. It's kind yeah. of like what JT always likes to say, the Mandela effect. Okay, I don't it, know about that. So the, the mm-hmm. Mandela effect is something where something happened in the past of your life mm-hmm. and you think of that same scenario mm-hmm. with a couple different tweaks to your right. life and that's what you think so okay. so for Nate as a young kid he might have seen his dad doing those things right. but ultimately being so young right. you know you can mess with your brain right. thinking that that happened to mm-hmm. him and then throughout life he always has that thing in his head like that could have been me or that was me type deal yeah, i yeah, and I think that's what he's trying to. And Nate's Nate's a jerk in this whole on this whole show, but I think he's still trying to do the same thing that everyone else is doing. He's just trying to find some kind of happiness. He is so messed up that yeah. I don't know that you know I don't know if there's any hope. I think his mother kind of hit on that in the in the episodes there. And then you have um, your favorite Fezco. Love Fezco. Okay, do you remember Fezco's past? Yeah. All so right. so Fezco he. He basically was raised by his grandmother, mm-hmm. who happened to be a drug mongol, yes. is, is a polite mm-hmm. way to put it. Right. And that's ultimately, ultimately what I like to talk about with like, um, you know, like family members and things trying to get people to understand mm-hmm. how life works across right. the country. It's like, so 
if you and I grew up together mm-hmm. and we owned our own deli, that's right. what we would know as normal. Yes. To where Fezco, he mm-hmm. grew up selling drugs as as a thought in his brain. He right. didn't think that was bad. Right. He thought that was normal. Right. That's so that that's why nature versus nurture. Exactly. You know, it's like that's that's kind of what, and not not that selling drugs is natural, but you know what the way that we we're raised indicates what kind of people we're becoming. 100%. And like when you look at all these characters in here, and that's the big issue. It's like um, Emma just touch on the last character like cat you know first season really hit her hard in terms of was really a lot about her and you know becoming this dominatrix and stuff and you know just being ashamed of her body being ashamed of herself but then having to create this persona and when when i remember i remember her parents just didn't know what to do like they were just like i think she even calls them like roommates like they're there but they're not there and so you have these parents who totally abdicate Abdicate? Abdicate. Ab- abdicate? Ad, ad. Advocate? No, ad, no, like give up. Abdicate. Abdicate. Like I advocate for someone, but if you abdicate, that means you give up something. Oh, it's, like, yeah. So like for like. Learn like, something every day. Well, like, like, um, like Kat's parents, they almost, I would say they abdicated any kind of authority because they didn't, they weren't involved in her life very much. And Got so that's it. why she's going online trying to find like how to interact with adults and how she doesn't have any self image and why she can't relate to Ethan at all. It's just because she doesn't think she's not worthy. Got because it. somebody like if it, my thought would be, it's like if her parents did not nurture her or support her as she's growing up, then that's why she is trying to find, um, you know, happiness elsewhere and controlling the relationships. If you think about like when she became, went online, started doing all that, she was initially afraid, but then she took control of the relationships. And that's when she was, I guess, having her euphoric moment, but it ended up not being real because she still had those things about that were, she felt like she was, there was something wrong with her. And that's why she didn't deserve Ethan. So I don't know, like to me, it was all about, it, it really just hit home a lot about it's not. It wasn't about blaming parents. I think we all kind of get to that point where we're responsible for our own decisions. You know, um, good, bad, or ugly. However, we are raised. At some point in time, we're responsible for it. And I think that's what you know, kind of the journey that Rue is on, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think it's? I I I guess I don't know if this really answers your question in the best way, but what I've learned is that um, I guess when I grew up and you're a younger kid, anybody, you see the older adults, your family, um, your parents, your parents' friends, grandparents, whatever it may be. And when you are a younger person, you look up to them and you think that they have it all figured out. Right. When in reality, which I'm starting to learn this now, the older you get, the more you realize that your parent and it's not a knock against parents or humans. Mm-hmm. It's just how life is. But the older you get, the more you realize that your parents, grandparents, whatever it may be, they're, they're in the same situation as right. you, right. You know? And, and I think that's mm-hmm. something as a younger adult, like even in high mm-hmm. school, even in the beginning of college, right. you don't realize that until mm-hmm. you get out into the real world and you start opening up with your parents and family mm-hmm. and friends and you start to learn that right. they're going through the same exact mm-hmm. issues that we are on a daily right. basis. And maybe that's like why, you know, 
Cal, Cal's not a sympath. I don't, I feel sympathy for Cal, but only to a certain extent because of everything that he di- does. But then you kind of understand like why Nate does, wh- why he does, wh- he just has to stop all of this. 100%. But it's like you feel bad. I feel bad for Cal, but then you know what? He's caused so much damage everywhere by his poor choices and has affected Nate so much. I think he, it's almost like he had to do this. He had no choice in it. And it wasn't, it's almost like Nate seemed like he was sad about doing it. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. why, too, you know, they do such a great job in mm-hmm. real world scenarios because mm-hmm. however many years ago, I don't know how long ago, it's like being being gay as a man was one of those Mm -hmm. things that wasn't socially acceptable like it is now. Mm -hmm. So when you see like Cal as a Mm -hmm. young man, you know, he ends up falling in love with his best friend. His best friend obviously fell in love with him. Mm -hmm. That whole thing happens. And then you see the heartbreak on his face Mm -hmm. when Nate's mom calls and says like, Hey, I'm pregnant. Right. Because then then you you see it in his body, mm-hmm. like you right. realize that he knows that he's not going to be able to live right. his life, and mm-hmm. now he has to live a life as a quote unquote character, right? Because he didn't see himself right. living that life right. down the road. And it's you know, and it it is about sexuality, but then it's not because I think all these people are living lives that they don't want to lead, a hundred percent. And it's you know, and it's how they're dealing with all of that, and even like. You know, if I'm going to sh- kind of shift the gears, kind of going towards this, it's really, to me, the second season, more so than the first, is really more about loss and how you deal with it. That's what I got from it. Because, like, you know, hearing Cal's story, like, I feel bad for him. I do. I get it. And um, he did what he had to do then, and it messed him up. And, like, every character on here has experienced loss. And I think the the second season, to me, deals almost exclusively with, with um you know with rue to me i you know other characters are there and there's the cassie and and nate issue with maddie and yeah i get all that but like to me it really deals with rue more so and how she is recovering still recovering from the loss of her father 100 percent. and um you know and how like we carry around things like she's wearing her father's sweatshirt constantly and you didn't really know that in the first season until beginning of the second season or the end of it. I don't remember, but, and it's like, it's like we carry people around with us and that's like symbolic to me, that's symbolic of who she is. For sure. The issue she's dealing with. And, um, the, the interplay between like Lexi, who was, who is Jules's best friend as she's growing up, not Jules, but Rue's best friend as she's growing up and Jules, who's her new friend is really interesting because both of them, um, are trying to help her. Yes. You know what I mean? What do you think about the way in which, like, Lexi and Jules go about helping Rue? And this could probably is across two seasons, honestly. So it's a very mm-hmm. interesting question because it's, it's, a, it's a dynamic of, of how two... It, it, it's, your, it's your typical friend-group relationship where there's that one person that's in the middle, mm-hmm. and then on each side you have two best friends, yes. and they mm-hmm. all interact. Mm-hmm. But what's fascinating is Lexi takes the approach of voicing her opinions but never turns them into actions, yes. where Jules mm-hmm. takes the approach of mm-hmm. trying to control Rue's life to right. help her, mm-hmm. where in reality, it's kind of like what we just you said before yes. we started, mm-hmm. you can't make somebody do right. something right. they don't want to do. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So you got Lexi who's there who's will do anything for Rue. Mm-hmm. Right. Always do anything for Rue. Right. She knows what's going on with Rue. Even the wrong things. Sometimes. Even the wrong right. things. But when push comes to shove, Lexi's there. When you have Jules who is trying to ultimately take a parental role with right. Rue, mm-hmm. even though they're kind of lovers, but takes that right. parental role where it's mm-hmm. like, listen, I'm going to do these things to help you whether you like it or not, right. which ultimately yes. creates this hate in mm-hmm. Rue's heart where it's like, why are you trying to make me and force me do force me to do these right. things, mm-hmm. even though I know and, or she knows that it needs to be done. Right. But it's, it, it's, it's what's fascinating mm-hmm. to me. It's literally the typical mm-hmm. friend hierarchy. Right. And you see this in this hierarchy that you're talking about actually is um, kind of put in, because we talked about how visual this show is. Like, to me, at the end of this, and uh, clearly, if anyone's listening, if you haven't watched it, we're not, we're not even worried about spoiling anything for you, correct? No. Okay, so you've had a week to finish it. So anyhow, but even like when Lexi is doing her play, the, just the placement of the characters and what Levinson does, you know, as he's directing this. I don't know if he directed this or not, but I don't know. But you yeah. have Rue there in the middle, then you have Elliot in the back, who's also an influence, and you have Jules on the other side. But then you forget about because Lexi's up there on the stage, and to me, it was it was so poignant that Rue is sober; she's cognizant of what's going on in her life. And this is the concept. A lot of people say, oh, she just keeps looking around at them. She's not just looking around at them. And I think if you're just seeing the, excuse me, seeing the show for that, you're missing what she's doing. She's looking at different aspects of her life, just as Lexi's doing that. She keeps looking out at Jules and how far away she is from that life, as well as how far away she is from Elliot. But then she, her real focus is on Lexi. That's who's fascinating at the front. because I never, you know? I never took that perspective, yeah. but I see it now mm-hmm. that you're saying right. that. I, I can understand. Yeah, and remember the part where like. It's like, let's go, Lexi. Let's yeah. go. It, it's funny, and everyone's like, oh, that's such a good part. It's such a good part because it's, to me, it's a manifestation of Rue realizing now that Lexi was doing it right all along, you know? And I think she even says, like, um, that, that Lexi has been the strong one throughout all of this. 100%. And it's like, you know, we make this about Rue, but is this more about Lexi? And I, I think about, like, the things that Lexi went through and, like, you know, Cassie and all of her drama. And But Lexi was always the one that's like, I don't know about this, I don't know about this, the more caution, the, the cautionary one. And, um, yeah, and it's just like, it really becomes more about Lexi and what she did and how she was strong throughout this whole thing. And there's mm-hmm. real there's real turmoil mm-hmm. with this last mm-hmm. episode because yeah. you have camps that are mm-hmm. in one side where mm-hmm. it's like Lexi's screwed up. Lexi's ruining the entire friend group. Lexi shouldn't mm-hmm. have put people's personal life mm-hmm. on display. Right. And then you have the other camp that I'm kind of in where it's like, if Lexi didn't do that, all these other characters wouldn't realize what right. kind of role they play right. on somebody's life. I agree. And that's why Fezco's like, you know, sometimes people need to be heard. 100%. And that's why it's like, it, it's just funny, Jake. We were, um, I'm going to kind of like, just going to like go into another world that's a little fine. bit. So like, anyhow, at school, like this year we were doing, um, I said, I'm not going to do Macbeth this year. I'm going to do Hamlet. Okay. Have you, you, are you familiar with Hamlet at all? I'm not going to act okay. like I am. No. Okay, great. That's all right. appreciate you admitting that. Absolutely. Anyhow, so we're doing that. My juniors are doing it, and I, I'm like, the play. Okay, long story short of Hamlet, Hamlet's father dies okay. at the very beginning of the play, and Hamlet's mother remarries quickly 
to her uncle in order to sustain the power on the throne. And so traditionally, that's what they would have done. But Ham was like, uh, uh. Ham was father's ghost comes back and says, your uncle killed me. Leave your mother alone. And so it was like it was a power play. And so, but Hamlet didn't have any evidence for this. Wow. And long story short, in order to generate evidence, he had to catch the king, his uncle, doing, like, reacting in a certain way. And so they have this, and this is what, this is what blows, because I think he lifted this right from Hamlet. I, I swear I think he did, um, which is fine. I don't have yeah, a sure. problem with it because it's, it's brilliant. He, um, there's a group of players or, like, a traveling dramatic group that's yeah. going around through Denmark. And they bring the players to the kingdom, and Ham was like, oh, wait a minute. And he says this great line, the play's the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king. Oh. And so he has the players reenact how his father's ghost tells him that his uncle killed him. No way. Yes, and he's like, and if he just, if he acts a certain way, if he does something, I will know that he did it. And to me, it was like, because Ham was such a tragic character because he can never He's very similar to these characters. Can never actually make a good choice. Pretends like he's crazy. Never does anything. Plays around. Does everything he shouldn't. Until the point where he says, "You know what? I need to do something about this because this is wrong." And he starts making a choice, and they, he acts it out. And the 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 king acts that way. He's like, "He did it." And then I don't want to tell you the rest of it, but yeah. like, but that's kind of what Lexi's doing. She puts it up there, and I couldn't help but thinking just the the allusions to Hamlet here, like the plays the thing wherein. This she's catching the conscience of everyone, and like they all saw it, and they all knew. And it, I think the reason Cassie's so mad is she knows she's right. Hundred percent. Everyone. Nate gets up and leaves because he knows she's right, and she's the one. She's saying like, you know, you're putting it out there, and what you're doing is wrong. And this is the first time. Yeah, she didn't do anything in her life, but now she's saying, look, this is what you all are doing. I got to come in strong now with this because it's my life too, and I think there's something wrong going on here, and that's what she did. Hundred percent, and it's like that's where I think everyone's like, yes, yes. Finally, the truth is coming out about everyone because everyone, to me, was living this facade and yes. nothing was real, and they were trying to find euphoria, but in the wrong places. And that you that's I mean? that's why dynamics of um, like friend group hierarchies mm-hmm. is fascinating to me because I, you know you can just relate to your own mm-hmm. life when I'm saying this. It's like acquaintances. So friends and acquaintances are pretty much the same Mm -hmm. thing. I'm just using them to differentiate what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. So acquaintances are somebody that you put around you and they are yes people. Yes. Like always Mm -hmm. somebody that's agreeing with you or Mm -hmm. wants to do what you want to do. When you feel like those kind of people are quote unquote Mm -hmm. your best friends. But your best friends, your Mm -hmm. best, best, best friends are the ones that aren't afraid to tell you how it is. Right. To tell you when you're right. wrong, hey, you right. shouldn't do this, could start giant arguments, mm-hmm. but those are your best friends right. because those are the people mm-hmm. that are genuinely trying to help your right. perspective and help your thought mm-hmm. on certain situations. Right. And the challenge is finding out who those people are. And I think exactly. that's what Rue is going through. She doesn't know this until, you know, this didn't work out with Jules and it didn't work out, doesn't work out with Elliot. And, you know, Lexi's still there. And yeah. it's like, that's when she realizes she, you know, went down the wrong path. You and, know? and and all ultimately, it's like they make fun of her and her. I mean, Lexi, because her, her Cassie's up there. She's like, you didn't live this life. You were just in the back as a bystander. Like, it's not fair that you're putting all of our stuff on right. display. Mm-hmm. But in reality, 
goes back to Fezco's mm-hmm. line. It's like to to understand things, mm-hmm. to get points across, whether right. they're good or bad, sometimes mm-hmm. you're going to get your feelings hurt. Right. And when you get your feelings hurt, whether you're a male, female, mm-hmm. alien, mm-hmm. whoever you are, right. you that is when you open up your brain mm-hmm. when you're kind of trying to get your thoughts back mm-hmm. in and you realize, like, they got a point. I have mm-hmm. to change. Right. I have to do something mm-hmm. wrong. And you don't see that right. until your portrayal is right. on display, whether mm-hmm. it's a play, friend mm-hmm. groups hashing it out in mm-hmm. a basement, you're in a bar fight with your friends, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Right. Those moments in reality, mm-hmm. as much as you always tell yourself you don't want mm-hmm. those moments where there's bickering back and forth with friends, right. those moments are the moments where you grow the most, right. which is cra- which is fascinating. Yeah, it is. I, and that's what... There's just something about it, and I think that's kind of like a lot of people did not like the end of it because they couldn't tell the difference between like what was real and what was not real in the play, and that's just life, you well, know. That's it, the. <laughs> it's funny though. I have a good friend who mm-hmm. I talk to on a regular mm-hmm. basis, and she is on the side of Nate and Cassie, mm-hmm. and me, I, I can't see that perspective. She, she's kind of in that camp mm-hmm. where Lexi burnt the house down, and Lexi shouldn't have done that. And it's fascinating talking mm-hmm. to her about it because it's like, I don't see it that way at all. Right. You know? Yeah. It's because even if, okay, even if, let's say that Lexi shouldn't have done that, then you have to hold Nate and Cassie and Maddie all responsible for everything that they've done because their behavior influenced Lexi to do this. They, did, they never let Lexi have an opportunity to shine, to grow. And there are even times where like it, just really touching scenes where Maddie and when Maddie came over and was staying with Lexi and Cassie and like she felt so close to Maddie and like Cassie, I don't know, like it's like friends who have a negative influence. Like Cassie and Maddie were something else, but then Lexi and Maddie or something different. So Agreed. she was connecting with her because that was when she was real, when she was genuine. I just remember, like, I, I don't know, there's a scene where she's putting on her makeup or something. She says, you know, don't you feel fake when you're doing it? She says, I believe in, like, I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to take pride in who I am, which was really, Eye-opening. that's who she is. Yeah, 100%. and it was like, it was really personal. You didn't think you would hear that from her, but we miss out on those because sometimes some people in our lives just overshadow all those those quieter moments. And I think that's what, like, it really brought down to those quieter moments. And, like, even that, I don't know, I don't want to get into that song, but. Anyway. Oh, that that song ripped me. Are you talking about Elliot's yeah, song? Yeah. That song have, ripped me wide open. It was hard, you know, and a lot of people didn't don't like it because it took up so much time in there. But it's such a good song for that moment because it's about saying, like, you're going to be better off without me. And I can't. I ha- I love you, so I have to let you go. And that's even say we're not going to be, we can't be friends anymore. We can't. Which it's like yeah. I'm getting goosebumps yeah. thinking mm-hmm. about it because, like, mm-hmm. not in that perspective, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of friends, mm-hmm. not a uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but a lot of close friends that mm-hmm. I've grown a part of mm-hmm. over the year because right. life goes in different directions. Mm-hmm. You know, people move to different jobs and you right. get with different cliques mm-hmm. and everything like that. And it's kind of one of those things where. That's when you realize really who you love and your friends right. mm-hmm. because you know it's like me trying to constantly and there's nothing wrong with reaching out and hanging out every now and again, no. but me trying to constantly or Elliot try to constantly 
be in somebody's life mm -hmm. to hang out with that person, ultimately you realize that that might not be the best thing for that person. Right. They need mm -hmm. to sprout their wings and right. fly. Mm -hmm. and, and if they come back together, right. that's great. Then, mm -hmm. then it was meant to be. Right. But I, I don't know. Th that show... That show for me, especially season two, not mm -hmm. as much as season one, right. but season two really put this mm -hmm. perspective right. on life for me mm -hmm. in every single right. angle. I would agree. I think it it's, it moved away from the, um, to me, that we talked about that before, the gratuitous sex in the first season, the shock value of the first season, and dialed back and kind of just sat so you could sit more comfortably with the characters and even like uh, one other question i want to ask you and yeah. then we'll kind of tie this up like do you see do you see the show like at the end of the season like rue says she was sober for a year do you see the show happening at all without the character of rue in it i don't okay why is that Big, you know, because that's like that's a hard question because i keep thinking it's like no it's not a show without rue because ultimately mm -hmm. And this is my opinion. Mm -hmm. Could be wrong. Ultimately, life is about trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. And I think the show left off with Rue in mm -hmm. such a great place. Mm -hmm. And in reality, how life works, they're either going to show her in that great place, but mm -hmm. ultimately the roller coaster effect's going to happen right. where it's a downfall right. again. That's fair. And and we're we're going to see situations now because how Fezco left off. We have mm -hmm. no idea what's going to happen to him. Him and Lexi's mm -hmm. story. Or Ash. Or, well, well, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> you never wink. know. Go ahead. You never know. But, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's like, ultimately, you, you see all these things where Maddie realizes that Lexi probably would have been the better friend. Lexi's realizing that mm -hmm. Ashtray's a completely different type of guy mm -hmm. that she would have talked to, but in reality, because she had a dialogue, they mm -hmm. relate so much right. more than she expected. Right. Mm -hmm. Rue has that scene with Elliot where Elliot and her get along so well, but Elliot mm -hmm. knows and she knows that them together is a just a bomb ready to right. explode. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and then you see Cassie and Nate where they're going, and, and it's like ultimately. I see everybody coming mm -hmm. back. It, I'm, I'm sure it'll probably be like a senior year dynamic. I don't know how long. I hope so. It's hard to do like these high school things because they get so old. They're already old. But. And, and I, I don't know mm -hmm. how, how they'll be able to do it because they already right. announced season three is not coming until 2024. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I ultimately see everybody coming back. This might be like mm -hmm. a three-season show. And then they yeah. could try to do a spinoff with other characters, maybe. But I, I, I just I enjoy the message mm -hmm. of this whole show right. because ultimately mm -hmm. it's kids and young adults trying to find their happiness where they think happiness is one thing when in reality it's the complete opposite comfort zone that they need. Yeah, I like that. And fun fact real quick, mm -hmm. I didn't want to interrupt you, mm -hmm. but little sidebar, mm -hmm. I found it hilarious. You know Tom Holland and Spider-Man? Yes. You know mm -hmm. Tom Holland and Zendaya are a couple? Yeah, he's a friend of mine. Is he a friend? Good. Well, No, he follows me on, yeah, he doesn't follow Juicebox? No, nah, he, oh, okay, he doesn't right. like us. Tell him I said hello, by I will, the way. I will. But he is in the, he's in the crowd during the play. I heard that. I heard that. Which, I, I, did you see it? I, I saw a still picture. I got okay. a huge giggle yeah. out of it because it's like mm -hmm. he he's just like sitting there as one of the right. students just like looking it's at so it. It's so bizarre. The whole, <laughs> that whole scene, the whole two episodes just like, what's going on? But, here, uh, but ultimately, yeah. just mm -hmm. to kind of 
stay on Zendaya last mm-hmm. night on the juice box, a question arose from Bubba. He was like, mm-hmm. if you could interview one person right now, one on one, who would it be? Mm-hmm. I would love to just sit down and talk to Zendaya because yeah. I think she's a fascinating person. Mm-hmm. She's still so young. She's right. in music. She's in acting. She's mm-hmm. been in Euphoria, Dune, Spider-Man mm-hmm. all this year. Right. She's just this giant. Right. Um, icon, I guess you could say. I, she's so much better in this than she. I mean, I like I Spider-Man, but like this one's like, oh my gosh, where I, does she come from? I, I, I just, yeah. I feel like this mm-hmm. show too is more real. Yes, oh, like absolutely. in terms right. of how you mm-hmm. mess around with your friends, right. what mm-hmm. you do with your friends, what you talk right. about it. It's mm-hmm. not all cookie cutter positivity. And I think in a nutshell, that's where some people get upset because it's not that angle. Everybody right. wants to see these shows where everybody's kissing and skipping and giggling yes. and laughing but that's not how the world right. works it's absolutely not i think we just need to tie it up there i Love totally it. agree with you hey you got a name for this episode uh, you, give me give me give me what you would call it oh man that's it tough can't, it, it can't remember it can't be euphoria because that's what we talked about we we're talking about euphoria so it has to be something about the topic but not about the topic that we discussed you could just call it juice for you juice for you yeah yeah, that's kind of weird. It is super weird, but you put me on the spot there. I'm trying Juice to think. For you. But what, what what episode number is it? 29? This would be 29. So Yeah, um, I'm trying to get five in a row. <coughs> <laughs> I mean, <Dick>. it, um <laughs> I mean, like it like in in terms of the last episode, like you could make it revolve something with a play. Like okay. a ooh, like the, a play about the play's the thing. The play, there it is. Oh, ooh, there it is. Uh, oh. May I instead of Euphoria? Take it. The Episode play's the thing. Twenty nine. The play, or whatever. You Can I say play. the plays? Because I like that. The plays. The thing. I like that. Catch yeah. the conscience of the king. Like it. All right. All right. Thank you so much for being on. Hey, um, if you're following me, I don't know what all my handles are. I don't even know if handles is the right word anymore. Yeah. You. you but are, oh, no, wait. You have to do it first. But yeah, I, as the guest, you, why don't you do it first? You no, are Bucon agent. No, I'll do it first because I got to hit the stop record button. Gotcha. So you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Juice Fisherman. Um, please, really, the on- only other thing I ask is it's a free, easy thing to do. Support the podcast by just following the YouTube page, um, which is the Juice Box Podcast. So, I, I, AJ, I really appreciate you having me on, and I know the other guys really want to come on and get interviewed as well. So okay. we talked about it last night. They're, they're just looking forward to having somebody sit down and just deep dive with them other than us being the ones kind of like talking to you or other guests because it, it, it I, I enjoy, this is my second time on the what's up buddy podcast. Right. Make sure to hit the Etsy store, buy yourself a hoodie. <laughs> but um, I, I enjoy being kind of the not bystander, but the mm-hmm. person that's not like, there's no pressure on me leading right. the episode. No, so no, it's, I, a different, I it's a different vibe altogether. I agree. I, enjoy I agree. It, but thank you so much. Absolutely. And Hey, um, again, uh, you can find all these episodes on Spotify and iTunes and oh, probably other places as well. My webpage is ajbucon.com. I think I'm going to be having a blog coming out next Saturday or uh, next Sunday. So we'll see. I do have an Etsy store now. It's uh, 500 Mile My Corner Store on Etsy. I'm still working on it. I'm finding out, like, I messed up how I price things and I'm like, given some stuff away that i shouldn't so get it now while you can before i fix the prices (laughs) because i it's i appreciate i know i appreciate everyone listening um life is short so make sure that you're you are 
living the life you want to. Make sure that you are being kind to everyone. And let's keep the people in Ukraine in our thoughts and prayers. 